This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Join with me today are the amazing Amy Nelson and the ridiculously outstanding Richard Marquez. Amy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. As of this recording, college football has started, and I am in the happy place. I love this season. Would you love it if football actually made its way somewhere into Star Trek? Because I don't think we've really seen it yet. I know. We haven't. That would be (laughs) amazing. I would love it. Yeah. And Richard, how are you doing? My theory on uh, football, it doesn't exist. Just like baseball, for some reason, it's, it's Well, baseball lost violent. its popularity, but you see more of baseball than anything else in Star Trek. <laughs> but then again, we do see lacrosse in the um, RPG game um, where they, I'm pretty sure Andorians and Klingons take off heads. Just I've like heard of that. Americans oh, my did. goodness. I think a listener mentioned that once. That, <laughs> that would be crazy to see. <laughs> <laughs> but I am doing awesome. Uh yeah, I'm ready to get this started. Awesome. So we do have a special guest that we'll be interviewing today, but first we have some feedback from the Babel Conference. In this case, Earl Grey 242, where we talked about our favorite character moments, season seven. Do you want to start us off, Amy? Yeah, Elizabeth Moore says, okay, now that I have listened to it, here are my moments. Number one, a microcosm of one of Amy's, I really like the conversation on the bridge between Troy and Crusher in Thine Own Self. We knew they were friends, but it seems like usually when they have a conversation, it's about some dude. Getting to see two highly competent professional women discuss their careers and goals was incredibly refreshing. Number two, as a diehard Picard crusher shipper, I love, love, love Attached. The whole episode is wonderful, but I especially like the moment when they are by the campfire and Beverly... And Beverly is able to see in John Luke's thoughts that he was in love with her at one point. And number three, it might be a little cheesy at times, but I really like meeting Data's mom in Inheritance. They hit it off so well. I love that she is a musician like he is, and I super enjoy the embarrassing stories she told about Data. It was fun seeing Data trying to navigate this new relationship. Well, those are great picks, Elizabeth, and thank you for sharing. Yeah, lots of great picks. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> uh, what Huntington said, fun discussion. I kind of knew Amy would have picked uh, that Troy moment from Thy Own Self, and so did we. <laughs> <laughs> it would have added more depth to the, uh, if it was Riker or if it was her to send her to her uh, to their death in that situ- uh, simulation. 
My pick from Season 7 involves Jordy from Force of Nature. He is initially resistant to uh, Servoas. Servoas? I think think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I I can't remember. (laughs) Theories about warp drive ripping apart uh, subspace. But after uh, talking with Rebel in 10 forward, he begins to understand the nature of warp drive damage. Absolutely, and thank you for uh, l- uh, let us know your thoughts on that. Yeah. Especially Amy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great pick. Well, Greg Malumby says, good selections all. To add to your list, I would have said the ending scene in Phantasms. Everybody loves the cellular peptide cake scene, but I thought the last scene between Data and Troy was charming, especially considering everything they both went through in this episode. I would also say... Picard's expression when he found out Roe betrayed him. No dialogue, but you just knew how Picard was feeling at that moment. The scene where Riker first boards the mercenary ship in Gambit Part 1. His shock at seeing Picard was amazing. Also the end of Gambit where Data escorts Riker to jail. (laughs) Lots of great stuff there. Um, I mean, I think that that one with Picard's expression at the end of Preemptive Strike, I think is what you're referencing, is, is incredible. He just mm-hmm. looks like he's kind of broken. And I like that there's a funny moment in there where Data's escorting Riker, and, and Riker's like, Data, he was joking. Data? And yeah. it just ends. <laughs> it's pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. Tim Han says, another excellent... Tim Hans adds, another excellent episode from Amy, Justin, and Richard. Having recently completed my full rewatch of the entire... Season 7 of TNG. Yes, Amy, TNG is still the best. I am now into another rewatch from the beginning of Enterprise. Anyway, regarding Season 7 character moments, all the best ones seem to have got picked by the hosts and comments above. I particularly agree with Richard's choice of the Pegasus, which, along with Preemptive Strike, are my two favorite episodes from Season 7. The clash of ideals between Riker and Admiral Pressman was possibly the best Riker moment out of all seven seasons. A Riker who was in conflict with himself over something he regrets covering up and staying silent about before joining the Enterprise. Terrific episode. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) It's hard to argue with that. Those are some some great moments, and it's great that there were ones additional ones that, that people had to add. I think there's lots of great moments in season seven. I can't disagree with someone that agrees with me. So Exactly, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, maybe the surest way to get your comment read is to agree with us. No, you don't have to. Yeah. Because <laughs> some, 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 sometimes you don't agree with us, you correct us, and we read it anyway. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. So thank you. So also we have an email from a listener that I wanted to read here. It's from Scott Myers in Utah, and that was also about our favorite character moment season seven episode. He said, great episode as always. When Amy mentioned her favorite moment in Thine Own Self, I couldn't agree more. Every time I see that B-plot of the episode, though, I am reminded of one particular man, Captain Jellicoe. Credit where credit is due. Troy is in that uniform solely because of Jellicoe, and it was a very good call to make. I'm also reminded of Riker's hypocrisy toward Jellicoe, where Jellicoe played dumb about Picard's capture, and Riker got upset about it. Jellicoe knew that if he acknowledged Picard's capture, it would give the Cardassians a legitimate reason to start a full-on war because Picard was sent into their territory covertly and on official orders. Riker was mad that Jellicoe placed the needs of the many over the needs of the few or the one, and him grilling Deanna over the importance of this commander's test and how the tough choice has to be sometimes made only highlights that hypocrisy. But, as I said, it was a great character moment choice for Deanna. I just find it also contains echoes of Jellicoe. What do you think about that, Amy? Yeah, absolutely. And I I replied to Scott and was like, yep, spot on. And definitely Troy, I think, um, 
gets in that uniform because of Jellicoe and that hypocrisy I think you definitely see with Riker and so very good. I mean Marina Sirtis herself has said that she really loves that she was getting back into a regular uniform after those episodes with with Jellicoe because then she was seen more as like a fully rounded character instead of you know somebody nice to look at and get a love interest that kind of thing so right yeah I think that's great and I think it's great that you were looking at something in season seven and it was calling back to something from an earlier season season six in this case so thank you for that email Scott and we appreciate that and the listener feedback that we got today on Earl Grey we have a special guest Tim Dazarn who played the alien mercenary Sattler on the TNG episode Starship Mine as well as a Bajoran on DS9 and a Kazon and a Nigean on Voyager Tim thank you for joining us today thank you for having me I really appreciate it yeah it's great to have you here so let's start out by asking how did your acting career start my acting career started uh, probably, I wanted to act when I was really small, but I never did. I, I, uh, uh, I wanted to actually sing and dance, and, and I wound up living in, I lived in a time where boys weren't allowed to sing and dance. Um, mm. So, <laughs> so I, I uh, played sports, you know, I played sports, and that's what they had me doing. And, and uh, eventually I got hurt playing uh, football, and uh, I tried out for every single musical high school in high school I got in them and then I would quit because the coaches would always make come and, and uh, make fun of me and that boys uh, other guys would come and make fun of me and I I succumbed to the peer pressure and never did it um by the time I was able, That's a shame yeah it was horrible it was horrible in Cincinnati Ohio and uh by the time I got a chance to my senior year the, the director of the musical wouldn't let me audition he, he said you'll quit I said I won't so I didn't do anything for the next, uh, you know, until I got, I was actually out of college and I had hurt myself playing football and uh, I wasn't in college playing football, but I hurt myself playing it. And um, I wound up getting ready to go to law school and I didn't really want to go to law school. And um, I, that one on a Sunday night, I think it was a Sunday night, I um, about two weeks before I had a full scholarship to law school. And I saw a, a um, ad in the paper for a community theater play auditions, and I went and auditioned for it. And I got in it, and I played Bert, and the man who came to dinner, and I decided I was going to go back to graduate school for theater, and that was that. And I went back to graduate school for theater, and I did a couple, I did some, a couple plays in Cincinnati uh, at the Playhouse, for apprenticeship at the Playhouse, and then I moved to New York to study. And that's how it all got started. Wow. I mean, that's that's really something. I'll, but for that opportunity, you might be a lawyer right now. Yeah. My lawyer, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. I knew I didn't want to. I just, I asked my father, he said, whatever's going to make you happy. And I said, I don't know what's going to make me happy, but a lawyer's not going to do it. Hmm. So off New York I went. I was, able to, I, was able, I was able to sing and dance a little bit, but my needs were pretty bad from, uh, you know, playing the sports. So I never went. I never did many musicals. A couple. A couple, but um, so then I, you know, I, I stayed in New York for nine years, eight, almost nine years, and then I moved to California, and that's that's it. Never, never look back. Well, sometimes I look back when I when I'm not making like, making enough money to get by. I go, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> that lawyer money might have been good, you know. <laughs> but then I would then it's like living it's like living where my family lives in Cincinnati. I always say, um, 
you, know, you can live in Cincinnati so much cheaper. I used to sell your house and live here and not have to work again. I said, and then I had to live in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with living in Cincinnati? I love Cincinnati, <laughs> but living there is the it's the it's the weather. I'm so I'm so spoiled yeah. now living in California. Yeah. I'm actually um, on my way to Cincinnati next weekend. Um, I, that's actually where I'm from as you well. Are? So, uh, well, Dayton area, but yeah, oh, that's I mean, right. me, yeah, yeah, pretty much the area. Yeah, yeah. so I love growing up there. I mean, it was great. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great during the summers and all that, yeah. but not during the winter. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it sucks in the winter, especially if you're compared to California. Right. <laughs> that's how I got started. I studied with a bunch, a lot of different teachers. I built a conservatory for myself in New York because I. Uh, didn't have the money to go to conservatory school, so I took acting and speech and dancing and voice um, movement from different teachers. I eventually settled down with a guy named Kurt Dempster at the um, Ensemble Studio Theater. I also studied with uh, at the still it was no her her H H B Studios with a guy named Bill Hickey, William Hickey. You can look him up. He's an older. He's long dead, but he was a great teacher and an actor. And then finally, I, I got to a guy. Who was I really helped me a lot, and uh, his name was Stanford Meisner. I don't know if you've ever heard of Stanford Meisner or not, but he was a great, great teacher from the uh, uh, group theater. He came. Oh, nice. Yeah, he and Lee Strasberg and, and uh, Stella were all together, and then they kind of separated, decide they said they were going to teach their own way. And they're all basically great teachers. It's just that whatever fits for you, you know. So I truly believe in studying. Did you feel that you needed to move to California because you wanted to do more film? Because um, it seems like New York is a great place for actor and theater and stuff like that. Yeah, it, w- it was that, basically. My wife at the time, uh, my, li- my late wife, um, she, um, she really wanted to live in California. And we were, mm. we, weren't, we were starving. We weren't starving in New York, but you know, we were working a couple different jobs plus acting. And it was hard to make a living. There were a couple shows there I did. I did a stunt for Hire which was out of Boston, but put shot in Boston, the cast there. I did, a, you know, we did soap operas. My wife was on a soap opera for a little while. Uh, and then um, I did a thing called, my show, first TV show was Equalizer. And, uh, you know, and then I, I worked with a director from New York when he came up to Boston, this new Spencer Breyer, and he said, you need to come to California. Hmm. So my wife wanted to go and I said, let's go. You know, she said, let's go. I nice. followed her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a, good, a great move, good, really good move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so really, back to Star Trek, real yeah, quick. No problem. <laughs> um, so, before you landed the part for Sattler on the Next Generation, were you a Star Trek fan? I watched it, but I wasn't happened? an avid fan. No. Okay. I hate to tell you that. Sorry, fellas. Lady. Yeah. No, it's 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 all right. I mean, the people that we've interviewed here that have been involved in Star Trek, some of them had been fans before, others hadn't. Yeah. Not a big deal. I mean, I'm sure you're a lot more familiar with it now than you might have been then. Oh yeah, but. I watched it. I watched it quite a bit, but I was, you know, and and I really, uh, I was so happy to get the part. It was like great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved working on nice. it. So, were you aware of like this cultural phenomenon of Star Trek when you were first cast? Like, you know. It, we had the original series and you know by the time season six came along yeah you know there was next generation so were you aware that this was such a huge thing and you'd still be talking about it 30 years later i didn't think i'd be talking about it 30 years later now 
<laughs> I was aware that it was a really good thing. You know, it was a great show. And uh-huh. People were a lot of people watching it. So, um, and you know, the actors are all pretty good on it too. Usually, um, they always hire uh, people that. Uh, I had a hard time because I thought they were going to hire me. I auditioned a couple times because of my, um, you know, my sense daddy dialect. I talk like that all the time. You know, almost like a little bit of a southern thing. But, mm-hmm. but. You know, since I took my voice and speech exercises, I can do that, and and it really worked. And I was very happy. Yeah. It was very Shakespearean, you know. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we asked some listeners um, that listen to our podcast if they had questions, and Tim Hans uh, is wondering if you feel like what you feel has been the greatest strength and the everlasting appeal of Star Trek. The greatest strength and everlasting appeal. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll repeat, I think I can only repeat this from somebody. I, I don't know if you guys were in the interview, uh, at the convention, but there was a guy that came to me probably about a year and a half ago. He was a director and a writer and he was, we were at a little, at a party, a little opening thing for a, a film I had done called Buckshot, uh, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was an Irish, big Irish guy, big gregarious Irish guy. And he came to me, over to me and he said, I know you, you're Tim Dazarn and, and uh, Jessica. He goes, I'm a Star Trek fan. I said, that's great. He goes, no, I really am. I like a big Star Trek fan. So he started telling me about the Star Trek stuff. And he mm-hmm. told me, he said basically that he said, you know, I just want to let you know, I know you think you're just like acting, getting paid, entertaining people. He says, but Star Trek changes people's lives. And I said, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean? And he told me that when he was a kid, he started watching it. He was younger than me, and he started watching it, and that it it brought him out, it taught him his, his uh, morals and his lessons and, and how, uh, you know, how to be. Hmm. Because his family life wasn't quite yeah. the way it should be. And right. he said, so I really want you to know that, and that, that that's not, you're not just acting and playing around, you're changing people's lives. And, you know, and it really, I really got, like uh, emotional, I said, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I, I always think about that kind of stuff. That what am I do- am I doing something just for myself, or is it for other people, or whatever? And people say, "Well, you provide entertainment," and you, and, and our, you know, our acting job is uh, my job as an actor is to, I guess, to bring things to people that uh, and see an experience that they would never see an experience and start to feel it, and that lesson thing, you know, teaching thing was not kind of in my wheel. I didn't think about that until he told me that. And it was really important. Mm. So I think, mm-hmm. I think that's probably for me, as far as I know, the best thing about Star Trek that it was way ahead of its time as far as mm-hmm. social and, you know, racial, political, all that it was all way ahead of its time. Yeah, and I mean, I think that uh, as I've gotten more into it and become more of a, a fan over the years, you know, I've seen all kinds of stories where it has literally changed someone's life. They've gone into a career because of something they saw in Star Trek, or it even actually saved their their lives. I've seen stories where people are on the verge of, of suicide and, you know, either getting some encouragement from someone who is a Star Trek actor or seeing something particular in Star Trek literally saved their, their life. So I think that's one of the reasons why we still you know, want to talk about it and talk to people that were involved all these years later. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's phenomenal. That's, that's, uh, it's, it, I don't know. I can't think of another, another series that is like that myself. 
Right. Mm, and, I think it's, and it's, it's long pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, so I wanted to ask you just going into the role that you had on the Next Generation episode, Starship Mine. So I was rewatching it uh, the other day. And uh, I mean, you get some great scenes with, with Patrick Stewart as Picard, including one where basically you're telling him to sit down and shut up. Right. <laughs> um, and so I wondered, you know, what it, I guess in general, what it was like working on that episode and maybe also in particular, what it was like, you know, working with Patrick Stewart. Well, the episode was really exciting for me. It was my first one. So, you know, the makeup that they did with my hair, everything was so, mm-hmm. so cool. Um, I saw how they uh, painted my, my, face it, the guy the makeup guy uh i think i always had scott scott um gosh i can't think of scott's last name now it's a great makeup artist sorry scott um anyway oh scott wheeler ah, got it anyway um he brought out this big palette of all these different colors of paint probably 30 different colors and i said what are you going to do with that he says this is all the colors that are in your skin so we have to mm-hmm. match your match your your uh piece your uh, prosthetic piece to your to your skin and he he started painting and it took hours it took hours Mm -hmm. on first but it took about three or four four hours to put that just that one piece on and he blended everything in including wrinkles and things like that you know it was really Mm -hmm. amazing um so that was the first thing for me and then being on the set i didn't realize i never realized really how they would be able to show all the I've done other sets but nothing like that because you know there was the bridge and there was the uh you know the, the room that we took over the generator room I think it is or and and then the burying the the cleaning out the the burying 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 yeah I always say burium <laughs> like burium because <laughs> like, you know, it cleans you out you know um yeah <laughs> but uh and walking down the hallways, you know, there were hallways and you walk down and they split off and it was just, uh, it was pretty amazing for me. And the crawl space too, right? Oh yeah. 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 yeah it was a long one then. And we had to, and we had to do it without, um, computers then too. So we had to shoot it and I had to get in and out and be partially in and partially out. And they had to put something behind me and something in front of me and, it took a long time to shoot that disappearing me, me just like being disappeared, disappearing. Hmm. Yeah. So that would, and, and working with him was just great. You know, it was, it was such a nice man and, you know, um, respectful and, and a really good actor. So whenever I work with somebody that's a really good actor, I always feel be- good. And I, back then too, I felt like I was learning. I still feel like I'm learning. It's like I'm learning when I act with anybody. If I just keep, keep an eye on things, you know, just, listen and I just continually learn from other people sometimes things not to do <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I actually just had uh, I also have a personal question as well as you know uh, as we've heard from our Babel conference um, Frost uh, Frost Winnipeg said, uh, asked did any of the actors realize that Starship Mine was a rip on Die Hard you know I did not I did not, but um, uh, I know people have said it over the years. Yeah, but it certainly, it, you know, it certainly made sense then. But I didn't know that when I was doing it. No, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people like to call it Die Hard on the Enterprise <laughs> because it's kind of in that mold. Yeah, because he was the only one there. <laughs> yeah, and right. and I think I saw that you were actually in 
a Die Hard movie, Live Free or Die Hard. Is that right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I was a sergeant in a, um, I was a, a, the death sergeant when he comes in and there's a big, you know, there's all this crazy stuff going on. They called me one the day before and said, you want to come and do this? I said, yeah, I come and do that. So I went down. Yeah. So, so you've been on something that's a takeoff of Die Hard and a Die Hard movie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So what was it like appearing on Deep Space Nine and Voyager? You know, you've already been on Next Gen and now you're on the next two you know, iterations of Star Trek? Um, Deep Space Nine was something I didn't really know too much about the story. Um, so even when mm-hmm. I got there, I read the script and I got there and I didn't realize until we were actually there that we were going back in time mm-hmm. yeah. um, with, uh, I forget her name, um, she comes back in time and I'm there. I'm back in time. Oh, with, with, with Kira. Kira yeah. Yeah. And I'm back in time yeah. and I'm the, the other, the, um, Revolutionary, or yeah. Well, I was I was rewatching it. You're um, a Bajoran, and you're in kind of this this area where a lot of people are kind of a closed off area on the station, and you're serving soup to her. And then eventually, you uh, you go ahead and kind of conspire with her to assassinate Dukat, who's who's the head of the station. Exactly. I think that's an interesting role, and you're kind of moving things along for for what happens in the plot. Yeah, it was great. It was fun to work on, and uh, again, it was like. You know, seeing a new set and all that kind of stuff for me is always exciting. It really is. Was the makeup as extensive for that being one? a bo- Bajoran? No, yeah. no, it's just the nose. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, much simpler. Yeah, much simpler. I mean, it, it nose and earpiece. They took the paint, you know, a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nose and the other one. But yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was. Um, it was an. It was an hour, maybe hour and a half. Cops just mm-hmm. to get everything right. They really want to make it perfect. So they stay at it. And you know, you had your one guy this work on you. And then for me that day, prop those days probably were, he probably did two or three people, but, but um, Scott, I think Scott always did me. Scott, um, I said, I was a minute ago, Scott Wheeler, oh, Scott Wheeler. Scott Wheeler. He always, yeah. Yeah, I, think he, yeah, I think he was my makeup guy, hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, Michael, my, my, Michael Westmore, we, they were always there when they were mm-hmm. casting the, casting the face and things like that. Yeah, and 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 what about uh, your experience working on Voyager and the two roles that you had? Well, the first the first Voyager was the uh, Kazon, the Desert Kazon, yeah. And um, I had to wear five uh, about five inch heels, maybe five inch not heels, five. Oh wow, five, five or six inch platforms to be tall. The guy I worked with was tall. I think his name was Patrick. Mm. Um, Patrick Kilpatrick. Yeah, um, he was very tall and. So they put they put me in these in these things I had to walk around in like like uh, Frankenstein type boots. Hmm. So that was fun. That was interesting. I was very tall. I was like I was like I was in my life. I'd never been tall in my life. So I'm walking around, <laughs> looking down at people. Like hey, this is pretty cool. I'm looking down at people, which is nice. But was it hard to like walk around in those? Like, you get used heels? to it. You get used to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and today today they have those two. I did the, I did the same thing with um, not quite as big for Chris uh, Hemsworth when I did. Um, Kevin the Woods, but they roll a little more. Mm. But now they've, they've learned how to have them roll rather than be too too, oh, wow. too flat. But uh. that guy was. Uh, but my boss, the the guy that played my boss, he was so the character was so angry. He was always always trying to make himself angrier and angrier and angrier. And <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not really that. I, I I do my own methods, but 
I'm not really that method. And what I did was, uh, he was, uh, he was a great guy, funny guy, but he was always like getting really angry and he wanted to hit something. Like you're getting, can somebody get me like a, get me a hammer and something to hit something. And he, so he would rock rile himself up and people went, Jesus, primary sick. So we, I, I had fun the rest of the time with him because what I would do is right before I'd get a scene, because someone get me a chainsaw, I need a chainsaw. <laughs> I need to hear the sound of their chainsaw or, or I need a hatchet and something to chop up now. Really? Wow. And they would, just, he, he, he would laugh and we would all laugh, but you know, it was just, so we had fun on the set. We really did. Um, nice. You know, and I especially liked that he got killed and I got to take over. Yeah, you end up becoming the Kazon leader at the end of the episode. That's pretty cool. Unlike Starship Mine, where you just die. I go off away. Yeah, I thought, well, I might come back as a Kazon on, on um, Voyager. But now that makeup was really extensive. I, I'd had to be at least four or five hours. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it looks extensive because it's not only like, you know, the facial appliances and stuff, but there's all this stuff going on with the hair, too. Yeah, that's a, that's so. a big old, uh, like a piece that they, they, they put on your head. And it, it, the, the, I guess, I don't know what their, that bone thing coming out of their head. What is that? I don't know what that is. Are those bones coming out? Yeah, I mean, there's some elaborate stuff for this. Yeah. Certainly, much more than the Bajorans. Yeah. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. It, would, it would like it would. It, it, or as the day went by, especially when you started to sweat, it, we were out in the desert, and um, it would start to mm. dig into your head. That's mm. right, because there are those scenes toward the end where you're just kind of like looking for, <laughs> trying to pursue people in the desert. Yeah, the Vasquez Rocks, I think it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, you shoot the right. rocks if you ever get out here. They're really they're beautiful. They shoot a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, they've done a lot of Star Trek out there. So that was it was it was physically you know demanding, um, yeah. but it always is because you have so much makeup on. It's not as as always, but and even with you start to sweat and you just you have to drink water all the time, mm. all the time. I think I probably even sweat more in the in the the uh, when I played the warden. Yedic. Oh, right, where he played played Yedic. I, I, actually, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because uh, you're there kind of in different scenes start to finish in the episode, so it seems there's there were was a lot more more involvement, and you got to do some, some great scenes with Kate Mulgrew, too, so I'm kind of curious about about that episode. I think it's called Repentance. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Repentance, yeah. It, 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 was much, it was much more, I think, much more um, psychological, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is the word I want to use? Mm-hmm. That there was a all these you know, all this stuff was going on. That it was just uh, that my character couldn't be really sure about. Mm-hmm. Although you do know it when you read it. Hmm. So when you mm-hmm. when you play a character that you, you know when you when you starts at one place and then ends at a different place, um, it's it's something you have to be aware of. And so that's one thing is one thing I learned, I taught was taught by me, by my teacher, Kurt Dempster and Sanford Meisner is staying in the moment. You know, it's kind of like doing a play because you know, the end of the play, you know what you did, right. you know what you did last night, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know what ends coming. And so you have to really stay in the moment. And that was his, his, his big thing was based on moment to moment. Stay right here. You know, play this note only. You're only playing this note. You're not playing any other notes with this, or you're playing these notes, or this this phrase, or this stands in the music. This is all you got right here. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't know where it's going. And uh, so I think that was like for that for me there that was that was uh, that was more like doing a play. 
Right. You know? It, it's, it, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with other characters, too, but you do, you know, it's not, you kind of, like in Deep Space Nine, I knew what I was going to do because that's who my character was. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't things were going to like switch on me. So. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting in that episode also. It, I, yeah, I think what you say is right. It could be a play because there's there's all of these kind of philosophical discussions about the justice system and right. you know, whether there's discrimination going on and what should be done and whether you should respect this alien culture's way of doing things. And it's a very interesting episode, actually. Yeah, I think that's – yeah, it, it was a pretty cool episode. And, you know, it said all that stuff. And it's, it's really weird because I knew it when I did it, and then I forgot, and then I'm reminded that, you know, this was an episode mm-hmm. that, that – was ahead of its time again, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, so another question that we got from the Babel conference from Ron Cerna, um, he asked, uh, which of the aliens that you played uh, did you have the greatest connection with? It sounds like Yiddick <laughs> is what it sounds like. Um, yeah. But uh, I think so. But, I, you know, I, I, the, thing, the thing about the, getting connection with the characters for me is Yiddick more because um, – a little more complicated, you know, and a little more uh, right. uh, intricate to work on. So that's fun, and um, I did I did connect to it. Uh, but when I'm when I'm working, and this again, you know, from from studying theater and, and you know studying with acting teachers in theater, is that I have to find something I connect with in every single one. And if I don't, mm-hmm. then it's not going to be real. And it's not just me mm-hmm. being connected, but it's my imagination being connected. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't believe that we have to go out and experience everything we are supposed to, you know, represent on a screen or on stage or anything like that. Some people, like I said, do this deep thing where they have to call back. They call back this thing that happened to them. They call back that thing that happened to them. And, uh, you know, it's called callback or, or you go back in time, you think about it. I just can't do, I, I don't do it that way. I, I, uh, I learned that acting is an, you know, uh, imagination. It's behaving mm. truth, mm. behaving truthfully, behaving truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So mm. when you're doing a star, especially a Star Trek, the imaginary circumstances can be anything, almost anything, right? Because right, was, yeah. you know you have stuff written, but then you also put on these faces and these this makeup and these these characters, so your imagination can go everywhere. Um, in the Kazons, you know, they were pretty pretty mean, tough guys. Uh, as a kid, I got picked on and, and uh, a lot. So my father taught me to box as a young as a young boy, and uh, so I was basically taught that the way to handle things was physically just just do it physically. And um, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of um, pent up anger as a child, and as it, and it carried into my adulthood. But which is you know which I stopped because I was I was I was mm-hmm. I drank a lot and I stopped drinking thirty four years ago. But finding Anger is is easier for me, easier to go to, but scarier to go to. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, I don't like to go way crazy. I prefer um, seething, seething kind of things. You know, you, you just kind of like underneath, you can see that that this character might do something, and he might not. And for the bad characters, the characters are meat that, that are that are that are criminals or bad characters. I always I learned that you have to find something about them that not so much I, as a part of me, but that I relate to. And also 
find the piece of them that where the audience is not rooting for them, but might feel bad for them if they get killed or might feel bad if they do, you know, certain things. And there are other characters that you don't feel bad for ever, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't mm-hmm. think that the audience got upset that, uh, my boss and, and, um, and the desert Kazon episode, I don't think that they care that he got killed. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a lot of people like the not, Kazon. Not, 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 not too much. Right. Yeah. No. He was, yeah, he was no. a pretty mean guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the fact that my, 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 my guy, you know, I don't think they they care they they like my guy a lot either, but they didn't kill me, so that was great. Mm-hmm. But um, but he was he was even meaner. So I don't think you have to do that all the time, but you do have to, you know, do what's on the you have to do what's on the page all the time. Yeah, Something. I really like that you said that it's an imaginary scenario, but you're acting real. I I think that really leads to an authenticity where the viewers can really you know appreciate your task. I think that's great yeah that's that's uh that's Meisner that's Sanford Meisner he was he was um, he was he would get very upset when people said well I never experienced that he would go what do you mean you never experienced it it's imagination (laughs) he would hit (laughs) right use it (laughs) and that's what what you think uh Roddenberry ever experienced any of the stuff he wrote about yeah right Yeah. Good so point. what are some of your more memorable roles, maybe not Star Trek or like your favorite role that you've had? Favorite role. My favorite role on stage was many years ago. I played uh, Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. You know, and I recently had a role with my wife. Uh, Michael Harney wrote uh, some short plays. Michael Harney from uh, uh, something black, something was a show on or- New Orange Orange. Orange is the new black. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, he plays the uh, the guard, the head guard. He wrote. Oh, uh-huh. he wrote some plays, and and my wife and I did those last year. They're really great characters. They're they've come and gone, but uh, you know, people stage things that people would know would be that streetcar named Desire. Uh-huh. Um, I, I played the a sergeant in Streamers, which I really liked a lot. But streetcar named Desire, Stanley was my favorite. And television, um, probably, I, I think. I've had some recent roles. I've had some really lucky. I've been very lucky to play a whole lot of different kinds of characters. You know, I've I'm, I'm mm-hmm. been able to play across the board. I don't just get hired as a cop. I hardly ever get hired as a cop once in a while. But all these different characters. I just did 911, that show 911. Mm-hmm. I played a, yeah. a blind hoarder. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. It was just a phenomenal role. It was so much fun to do. But my beginning, the first one, probably the big first one was um, NYPD Blue. Um, it was in. Second season of NYPD Blue. I don't even know if you guys were even born. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love NYPD yeah, we Blue. Were around. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were around. I played a serial killer. Um, they call him the Dictionary Killer. I can't remember his last name. Webster, the Dictionary Killer, but I can't remember his real name. Hmm. And he um, he killed young couples. Hmm. So I went on there for an episode, for just two scenes. And then once I did these two scenes in this one episode, David Milch came to me and said he wanted to... Uh, make my character the main story the next episode. So I went back and did another one and we, Great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, such an intricate role. And again, this is the kind of role where I had to find something that people wanted me, you know, they, 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 they understood what I was doing, but they didn't want me to do it, you know, and that all has to come from me. Can't come from the, all, it can't come from the words. So Dave and I talked about it a lot and what I would say and this and that. And I, we talked about, 
find that thing that really got people kind of relate or feel something for this bad guy. It's kind of like somebody who, and I, and I hate to bring this up, but it's kind of like somebody being molested and, uh, and then they become a molester. You know, we never, we never mm-hmm. know where people, where things come from. So you just have to find that. And what I did with this guy was I just decided that his, his, uh, his mother was dominant and his father either left or, or, or killed himself because his mother, I mean, if, yeah, his mother was so dominant. So what this guy, the reason this guy killed people, it was in the words, was that, um, he killed both couples because um, he knew that she was going to dominate the man, and he wanted to give him uh, give him freedom from that hmm. and punish her for doing it. And it was it, he was very intelligent. He was, he was really smart too. Mm-hmm. He got away with a lot of things. So much so that yeah. uh, when I when they didn't kill me in the last ep- in that episode, they sent me to prison. They brought me back six weeks later because they got letters saying that. Um, I needed to be killed. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> I guess that's a, <laughs> a, a compliment of sorts. Yeah, it is. So they they shot me. Yeah, they had somebody shoot me. Oh boy! I mean, yeah, like it, I, I was kind of going through like the different roles you've you've been in. You've done like a lot a lot of different kinds of roles, and I think on IMDb you have over 130 credits. So there's just a lot of stuff that you've done. I, I've been really like lucky. Pretty yeah. busy. I've been really really lucky. Um, ER, um, a great role, and, and, and probably closer to that was um, another great role was uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mm. I played a, a character called Santa Claus. Uh, you know, I, I got to transform from being a bum in the street to not being a bum in the street anymore. That I have a long beard and gray hair, and then they shave it all off and clean me all up and get me out of the hospital. Mm. I think it's called Second Opinion. It's really, mm. it's really great. My favorite role, though. To this now is my, and I'll, I'll, this is going to get me, I'll get a little advertisement in this movie I did called Buckshot. B U C K S H O T, Buckshot. It's uh, about a country singer. And oh. I play Buckshot. So I did, I, I did, I, that's out now on, um, on Amazon, I think. And uh, yeah, just got, we got, we got a, a distribution from, Byron Allen's company, Byron Allen Entertainment. He has a company called Freestyle. I don't know if you knew who that is. Byron Allen. He was no, he was a comic. He bought up yeah. bought a bunch of stuff up. He just bought the Weather Channel about five or six months ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Hmm. But um, yeah, it's called Buckshot, and it's on. I could probably send you guys a picture. I should have sent you a picture. Um, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube movies, cable, mm-hmm. and satellite yeah. on demand. It's at buckshotmovie.com dot com or Buckshot Movie Facebook. Yeah. So that's my favorite, very favorite to this day, because uh-huh. it's my most recent, but I got to play a character that um, really had to change and be there and that I related to. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you get the lead role, which and he is was fun, the lead right? role. Yes, that was, that was <laughs> that's a really, really big deal for me. And uh, yeah. but I, I, I was I was I was skeptical about taking it, but I thought, you know, I've always wanted to do something like this. Let me give it a shot. Nice. It turned out pretty good. We won a bunch of awards at some festivals and things like that. I don't know if I right. ever get rich off of it, but it's, it's again, it's like you know, you want to do a play, you want to paint a painting, um, I don't know, build something, sculpt something. You just do it because you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. doesn't mean people are going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah but you know hopefully some of our listeners will check it out i'm definitely gonna check it out that looks looks pretty interesting yeah, be great. yeah and let me know let me know what you think I'm all, yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, they, they can, they can, I, I have a weird Facebook thing because I have a Facebook fan page which I don't, I'm trying to get rid of because I just, I don't know how to work it. But I have a, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I'm on Facebook. I'm on my regular name too, so that's okay. Uh-huh. I don't mind people, and that's, nice. and that's that's a public thing, so it's not a big deal. Or let me know on Instagram or whatever. I'd give you my phone number, but you know, I'd feel bad if I didn't get a bunch. Yeah. Of, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that on a podcast. I feel bad if I, yeah. I feel, I feel bad if I didn't get a bunch of calls. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, so I recently saw you on Longmire and listening to you, you do not have that accent that you do on Longmire. So like, did you have to do a lot of training or was that something that you learned in school, like uh, how to do those different accents, especially the one in Longmire, which I love. It's the one I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I learned over the years. Um, there was a great teacher, I mean, I, as a kid, I started doing, I, I would mimic people, but not as good as like somebody like Jimmy Fallon. Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he's a great, uh, he does his impressions are amazing. But I didn't do as much yeah. impressions, but I did, I did this up like, like Jimmy James Cagney. Uh, you know, I sang Broadway songs with my mom, different ways. Um, she would sing French songs to us sometimes. So I always knew little dialects as a kid and as growing up, but. When I started studying, I used this guy named David Allen Stern, and he he used to have uh, back in the old day when we had uh, the little tapes that we put in the recorder and listened to him. And so I studied it. I studied. I studied, uh, and I had I had a voice teacher that also did dialects. Hmm. So I just studied it, you know, over the years. And now my ear, over the years, you pick up pick it up. And if you talk to somebody for a while that has that dialect. Uh, if I talk to somebody that has a dialect, I can drop into it pretty easily. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just training then. Yeah, it's also about your 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 space of your mouth, how you how you, how you come through in your mouth. Like a, a German accent is so really kind of easy to do. You just put your tongue behind your your um, teeth, and you'll hold the sides of your lips together, and on the when you pinch your lips together, and then you start talking like that, and then you let go, and then you're German. And you just, oh my yeah. gosh! Now I was in Berlin this summer, and I couldn't say any of their words. They're <laughs> yeah, very hard to say, aren't they? Yeah, their words. Yeah, we, we do have some listeners in Germany, so I'll have to see what they what they. Well, think well this I know this, so we'll see. But the, the Irish thing, I, I, I love I, I love the Irish thing because it has such a. It's not so much lilt; it's just a, it's, a, it's a pleasant sound to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, he was a great character, Longmire, to play. I, yeah. I auditioned for that probably three times to play some kind of a Western type character, which I I'm perfect for usually. And I never got mm-hmm. the job. And so I got this job and I went, Oh, I'm going to play an Irish guy on, on Longmire. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so actually Tim, so we had met uh, about a month ago as of this recording at Star Trek Las Vegas. And I think you had mentioned that was your first uh, Star Trek convention. So I wanted to see what your experience was like there and if you've attended other non-Star Trek conventions as well. Um, it was pretty darn cool. I mean, I, I really was like, I mean, the thing is that we had to be, you know, the, the thing I didn't like was I had to be there behind the thing all day, most of the day. Mm. They wanted you to stay yeah. as long as possible. Uh, I took breaks. But walking around and seeing things and meeting people, and, and my favorite thing, I think my favorite thing about the whole thing was, is that um, people, I would meet people from all over the world. They're all over the world, all over the place. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. 
you know, I met a guy who writes about American, he teaches about American culture from Japan. Mm. Um, I forgot his name, uh, Messiah. He calls himself Messiah. That's how you say it. That's how Americans say it. Because I like it. I like Messiah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just people from everywhere uh, and, and different walks of life and how much they knew about Star Trek or some, 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 some of them, how much they didn't know about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they would just, they loved it. They just loved coming there and being there. And, and so I felt like the atmosphere was pretty good. Don't, don't want the one thing that I was a little bit, I guess, um, I don't know, not upset about, but more like surprised is that people were afraid to approach because yes. I, I think they were mm. afraid that people were going to try to make them buy something. You know, mm. you got to, you know, you, you can't approach a celebrity unless you're going to, unless you're going to buy a picture or buy an autograph or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I feel that way. Yeah, which well, I, 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 but I've, I've had to, I've had to get over that uh, 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 for a few of these things, just like because I think that a lot of times, if someone is there, they're happy to talk to someone who wants to talk about their role or Star Trek or some other role they've seen them in. You don't have to go to the table and buy something. That's exactly I right. Mean, of course, yeah. I mean, of course, the 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 person that's that's there, the actor, director, whatever, appreciates it. But you know, also they're happy to just talk to people, right? right? Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I mean. And the thing is, also, you're not, you're not really, um, you're not, you have to charge because you're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to make deals. If you start making deals, they get upset because then people, other people have to make deals and they're upset. And other people, you know, not that, not that I really care one way or the other if anybody else gets upset, but it's kind of their, their thing. They said, you know, you have to do this, you have to charge as much at least, or, you know, that. And yeah. then the selfie thing is like uh, really a, a weird thing for me because, I, when I was walking around with people, people go, can I get a selfie? If they asked me, I did it. You know, I don't know if we're supposed to, <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to or not, but I did it anyway. It's like, I'm not going to charge anybody. Else. It's like if I met, uh, you know, uh, Harrison Ford on the street and said, Hey, this uh, work, can I get a picture? And he goes, well, yeah, you got $10. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the thing for me. I, I really actually, had to start, I actually started coming out some, out behind the table or I'd stand up at the table and I would right. call people over. i go, come on over, you don't have to buy anything, come on over, let's talk. And, and, <laughs> and sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But it wasn't a sales pitch for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. get to know people, find out where they're from, what do they do for a living, you know? Um, it's, always, it's always fun for me. Yeah. Well, that is so good to hear, and I might change my mindset. Cause... Just, just, just go over and 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 do it because my experience has been whenever I go over and want to talk to someone, they're they're good with it. I mean, especially if they don't have like a huge line and they're just waiting to talk to someone. But yeah. but also, I mean, I think the great thing about something like Star Trek Las Vegas is it's in the hotel, and then the convention center is in the hotel too. So actually, the first time I ran into you, Tim was in the elevator, and I was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And then I found out you were a Star Trek actor. I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'll go and see." See you at your table. <laughs> and that's when you told me you're from Dayton, right? From Cincinnati. Is that right? Uh, well, no, that's, no, no, that's, that's, that's Richard. I'm from El Paso, that's Texas. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like that's, that's also the great thing because like people who are, are there who've been actors or whatever also staying in the hotel. So you might run into somebody in the elevator or whatever. Uh-huh. So if you're, you know, listeners, like if you see someone, just go ahead and say hi, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're used to it and they'll be happy to, right? I think so. I mean, I know people, I know when I first got in the elevator, the first, I first came, there were some people got in the elevator and I could tell they were, um, Star Trek. I mean, I think they had their, 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 they, they had, they had t-shirts on or something like that. I said, Oh yeah, here for the convention. Said, yeah. Yeah. And they knew me, but hmm. when, when I said hello to them, then they started talking to me. 
hmm. you know, which yeah. I think is, is the best thing to do. Um, I know. I think some, I mean, I don't know. I've heard some actors uh, just sit there and like, wait, don't do anything. But that's kind of a boring, boring thing to do. Just sit there and wait. Yeah. You know, I, I love, I mean, I met so many cool people from all over the place. And I think that's a great thing. And from all walks, yeah. And my theory on, on uh, and I'll just say this for the uh, people who are listening, is my theory on, you know, people always think that there's, I'm not big, I'm, I'm t- sometimes I'm embarrassed to be signing autographs and getting paid. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm doing my, taking my time out, I'm not working, so I get a little bit of money from work, you know, for work. But the, the, my thing is, is that I'm not really anything other than what everybody else is. I'm not anything different than the guy that uh, goes to work as a lawyer. Well, maybe I'm a little different. Maybe I tell the truth more. But I don't <laughs> <laughs> Except when I'm acting. Sorry, lawyers. Um, but, uh, you know, the person that teaches school or is a nurse or drives a truck or is, works in construction or is an accountant or works in IT or anything like that, those people for me, like my father for me, who got up work every day and went to work on, driving, driving a truck or – my friend took over a plumbing company for his father when he was just out of college. He really wanted to be a school teacher, and he went to work every day, every day. And um, those people, to me, are the the heroes of the world, not the uh, the people like me who are lucky enough to make a living as an actor. I'm lucky, you know. I'm not. Mm. It's not. I'm not. It doesn't make me um, something different. I'm just a. Uh, uh, I had a, my, another acting teacher told me, he said, you know, you're a blue collar actor. You're, you're like, what you do, you go to work, you do your job, you come home and quit complaining about whether they cut you out of things. He compared, he compared us to, uh, in our class, it was Kurt Dempster. He said, what do you guys think you do? We go, well, we entertain people. We do this. We do, you know, we're actors. Nah, 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 nah. And he goes, ah, you're just a bunch of plumbers. And I said, what are you talking about plumbers? Hmm. He said, you go in, you put the pipes in, you do your job. Then they come in and they build the they build the rest of the house around it. And if your plumbing doesn't work, they aren't going to hire you again. And they're not going to use it. They're going to put it back in there. Or maybe, maybe it just doesn't fit the house design. Maybe they change the design. So just do your job and come home and go back out and do another job. And quit worrying about it. It's a craft that you've learned. And that's what you need to go out and do. And so it's always set, it's always set well with me. That, that, that's who I am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a craftsman. Um, that has been, a, a, and now lucky enough to be a journeyman craftsman. I, you know, I put in a lot of plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of different locations, and right? And the water's running. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I just wanted to say that because I really think that sometimes mm. uh, people that aren't actors, not in our business, don't, don't get, uh, I think there's a lot of people too also that pretend like we are something special, actors do, but um but I just think we're lucky. We're lucky to be doing this. I thank my lucky stars every day. Mm. Awesome, awesome, cool. <laughs> um, so um, you you appeared in episodes of Spencer for Hire, Quantum Leap, NCIS New Orleans, and um, Blunt Talk shows that uh, so shows with Star Trek. Uh, captains like Avery Brooks, Scott Bakula, right. and Patrick Stewart. So did. Did you um, work with any of them in any of the scenes in the in those shows? And if so, what was the experience like? I'm pretty sure Avery was there. Uh, and Spencer Pirates is hard to remember a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, 
Actually, my big big thing working in that episode was Sam Jackson and I were together. That one. Oh, was Samuel L. Jackson? He was in that. He was in that episode. I think. I think that was the one we, oh, wow. we flew back together. He was actually going to quit acting. He said, "I got to quit acting and move back to North Carolina, so my daughter can go to private school." Really? And I said, "Don't you quit." He didn't. Oh wow. And <laughs> yeah, and that, and that was definitely before he became really big. Way before. <laughs> yeah, I think about a year, That's... two years later. Not way before. Two years later, I think he did um, the uh, Spike Lee Jones thing. But anyway, mm. uh, yeah, I think Avery was there. I remember, I think we had, might have had a scene, uh, when he, uh, maybe probably just arresting us. Um, what was the next <laughs> one? Um, oh, the next one was who? Scott, who, who was it? Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. Oh, yeah, I, I worked with Scott on Quantum Leap, and, and he was great on yeah. that. Uh, really nice guy. We, we know each other very well. But then I did NCIS New Orleans, and um, I think we had met by that point in time because of a mutual friend at a Christmas party. And... Um, hmm. And he knew, and I knew the director, and he knew the director, Jim Whitmore. James Whitmore is a great TV director, also a very good actor. But he was the son of James Whitmore, Senior, the guy from people remember him from Shawshank Redemption. He was the bird guy. Hmm. But um, mm-hmm. oh. yeah, he was the older guy. He hung himself in the end. But um, mm-hmm. sorry, I ruined it for everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoilers like twenty-five years later. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah, Scott is really nice, really nice man. He's a really good actor. You know, he started, he, he did Romance, Romance on Broadway, sang and danced. Hmm. And my sister knew him back then. My sister was a singer and dancer too. But um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy, really, really good guy. I loved working with him, very there all the time, very attentive and, you know, uh, and kind. So what can I say? I've seen him outside. Our kids went to school for a minute too at uh, – L.A. Uh, school for the Arts. My daughter went mm-hmm. for about a month, but then she decided to transfer back to her home school. Mm-hmm. But he's great. Is there somebody else? Did we say somebody else or no? Uh, you, well, so you were also on an episode of Blunt Talk, which stars Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah, that's that. what it is, Blunt Talk. I'm so glad you said that because I was trying to remember it. And I go, should I, should I say this? Because I can't remember. Patrick was on that one was just funny as hell, you know. And he said he remembered me. You know, <laughs> he probably did. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> you were the guy who told me to sit down and threaten me with a weapon. <laughs> it was kind of him to say they remember me. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how he would have, unless he has a photographic memory. Unless he, unless he watches an episode every other day. But he might have. He might remember. You know, it takes a while to kind of trigger things in your head. Mm-hmm. When you work with somebody, mm-hmm. like somebody tells me how we work together, I say, what was it on? And when did we do it? And, and then I can, I can get it. I can trigger it sometimes. Sometimes my mind doesn't trigger at all, and I just fall asleep. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, Patrick was God. He was so funny and and really great. Just great to be around. He's just a great guy to be around, and much more relaxed there than I remember. Hmm. You know, we did. He, he, it was his show, but it was also supposed to be a funny show. Uh-huh. I don't know if they renewed it or not. I don't think it got renewed. I don't know. I don't think it did. It ran for what a no. couple seasons, maybe. Maybe yeah. a season, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Like now, he's going to be busy with his own Picard show. So I know he's got stuff to do. <laughs> How cool is that? It's very cool. We were really excited about it because, yeah, and he announced it at the convention, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about it here because we were just so excited about I it. I hope but. I can get on it, Patrick. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be honored if he actually is listening too. Wouldn't it be cool if he was listening? Well, the fans can send the, yeah. the fans can send the word out. The Tim Desar needs to be on on the, on, a, on the episode on the on one of the episodes at least with him. 
if not, yeah. if not, I'll just be his personal valet, uh, you know, private valet. I don't know. I'll just walk around with. Yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that, I mean, the, what that means is that so you've worked with with Patrick Stewart, you've worked with Avery Brooks, you've worked with Scott Bakula, you've worked with Kate Mulgrew. I mean, those are like four of you know the main Star Trek captains. So you've actually worked with yeah, a lot of the the leads in Star Trek. I mean that's that's it, it's amazing. It's really it's, to me. It just is like, geez, you know, again, pretty lucky. I mean, I consider myself a good actor, but that's also there's a lot of good actors that don't get the opportunity too. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, Tim, what do you like doing outside of acting? Like, what are your interests and hobbies? Uh, my interests and hobbies. Um, well, I have a I had a, I have a, a teenage daughter, but she's now getting ready to go to college. So that was my interest in for a long time <laughs> uh, just doing everything yes. I could for her she's also a performer but she's uh, going to study other stuff too she's, she's going to she had some scholarship offers to conservatories she's going to go to conservatories but she decided she didn't want to do that she wanted to be more she's a writer she's also she does, she's a brilliant kid she's really smart her name is Emma Emma Desarn and uh, so she's going to go to school and, and um, I think she starts she's starting in pre-law because that's what she applied for and then she'll just transfer right out and creative mm-hmm. writing and um, stuff like that. So she's been, I mean, and, and also as a, as a young guy, a younger, uh, I used to coach all my son's teams, uh, baseball teams, and he had played, played football, played lacrosse. Uh, he was also a writer. He was, he was a writer uh, in college. He was in a writing pro- really good writing program. And, but he sadly was um, killed in a car accident when he was 18. Oh, so we lost funny. him. Um, but same as Travis, Travis Design, amazing kid. So but for me, I do a lot, I, I ride my bike. Not a, not a whole lot, but I ride my bike a lot. I also, um, I, I stay physical because I, I, uh, I've always believed in, also one of my first teachers said, you know, your, your body is your temple and your, your, this is your instrument. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't keep your instrument clean, keep it moving, keep it working, you keep blocking it with whatever, you know. Um, you're not going to be able to get everything in there. You know, you can't, you can't, you got to be able to perform. I just did a movie in Illinois where I had to run and walk mm. and climb upstairs and for 10 days in a row. And mm. I had to be shot in the right thigh. So I had to limp the whole time. I had to limp and run and run. And so luckily oh, really? I was in good enough shape to do all that. Mm. So I stay in shape doing that. I, I challenge myself physically a lot. So that's kind of one of my hobbies, I think. I think, it's, I think it is. Nice, yeah. Um, there's a Santa Monica Stairs down here I used to do. I, I've done more than, I did, at, at 60, I did more than anybody ever did. <laughs> wow, great. I did have a memory of my son at first. Uh, well, I just do a memory of my son because he was, because I was raising money for a scholarship fund for his lacrosse team. But um, I started doing 20, I worked up to 22, and then I wound up doing, uh, over the years, I wound up getting up over 100 times up and down these stairs. Wow. took about seven hours. Wow. Like, oh, wow. oh my goodness! <laughs> I get a little obsessed about that kind of stuff, and then someone challenged me to do this CrossFit thing that people talk about. This was five, six years mm-hmm. ago. Well, what is that crap? And they go, "That's eh, this, this, this." I said, "It sounds like exercise." They said, "Yeah, it is." So I went to this gym and I joined, 
And I wound up in like four months later competing in the International CrossFit Games, the World Championship. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. I was uh Wow, I just started doing CrossFit. They offer it at my school. I'm a teacher and so our gym oh. teachers are doing it after school and so I was like, Okay, this is the year I'm gonna join and so yeah, I've started doing CrossFit and it's fun. It is cool, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I was I I was ranked nineteenth in the world. As as my oh, world. Old, wow. old, old guy. Old guys. Over six, oh. over six, over <laughs> well, six. still, I mean, still, that's pretty it good. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. I don't do that. I mean, I still work out with these guys, still work out with them, but I don't work out like I did then because it's, it, it was mm. it was really strenuous, and I got hurt. And, mm. You know, you keep you're always sore, and so I just do what what you're doing. I, 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 yeah. I CrossFit. You know, I do it like you know, not every day, but I try mm-hmm. to do three, four times a week, and it's it's, it's short too. It's not it's not like yeah. you don't have to spend like hours hours at the gym right you know right i also love watching movies and uh you know hanging out with my wife going to movies i just went to see a movie last night with my daughter um so that kind of thing um oh, used to paint and draw i haven't done that for a long time i probably have to get back to it but those kind of mm-hmm. things um, all the things i think about doing besides acting are usually things you can't make money at like are there artistic things or you know, exercise or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes it a hobby. Yeah. Usually, a right. hobby is something right. you like to do. I was a school teacher. I was a school teacher. That wasn't a hobby. I was a Were you? Yeah, I was a school teacher for a, a few years when I first started at my first guy school before I went to before I was going to go to law school. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and those school teachers are heroes for sure. School teachers are heroes. I think. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> when you teach, where at? What, what state? Uh, I'm in Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. Is that where you guys are? And I teach, I teach high, I am, I teach high school math. Oh, cool. So Tim, uh, tell us about any current or upcoming work you'd like to let our listeners know about. Well, we got Buckshot, which I talked about. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you can also, uh, you can see that uh, Longmire on, I think it's on Netflix, anywhere you want to see it. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. I just start, was cast in a role on this new show called Are You Sleeping with, um, um, opposite Aaron Paul, mm. which is, it's, it's supposed to be a recurring role. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think, I, I don't know what's going to be out. It's Apple TV's first, um, first big pilot. They're gonna do. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm also doing a day's work on Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford in, in the, uh, in, uh, October. Oh, nice. But, um, other than that, just keep, I keep on, you know, going out and auditioning and doing this and doing that. It's, I'm one of those guys that just keeps going out and trying to get the job. And, you know, uh, before this year, last few couple of years were a little, little, little slow. And that's when I thought about, okay, what about that lawyer stuff? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing all right. And the funny thing is, I'll say this really quickly is I, I, I make about a school teacher salary basically over the years. Mm-hmm. I've averaged, I've averaged a school teacher salary, but didn't have to go to work every day. Right. You know, which mm-hmm. was really great for my family, you know, to be mm-hmm. with my family. So that's the most important Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get to do what I want to do. So that's about it. I'll probably think of 100 things when, I, when you get the phone, but no, that's it. <laughs> they can go, right. go on IMDb and see what's happening, see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed you have a number of upcoming things that they list, even beyond the ones that you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. oh, I, was there some, one called Lay Low or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that, that's one we shot in yeah. Illinois. I hope that turns out to be a movie. <laughs> we shot it. We shot <laughs> Not it. sure yet. We shot it so fast. So fast. It's a great, great concept. Sci-fi, thriller, kind of a 
IT person uh, taking over, like an IT a computer taking over, an SD taking over this place. You know, it takes over the whole place. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so where can listeners find you online? Uh, they can find me on, oh, oh well, uh, uh, um, Tim Dazar on Facebook. But go to the private page. It's not a private page. It's a public page. If you go to the um, fan page, I, there's, not many, I don't, there's not many posts on there. Most of my other stuff is a public page. Um, I'm trying to work on that fan page to get it up more. So if they want to go like that, that's great. The fan page, if you like the fan page. Um, and then also um, Tim Dazarn uh, Instagram and Tim Dazarn Twitter. And my daughter hasn't taught me how to do Snapchat yet. <laughs> <laughs> Might get there. Yeah, <laughs> but that's 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 awesome. Well, yeah, I love Tim, I love the followers on Instagram because I'm I've had a hard time, you know, building it up. So if anybody wants to help me, just write me, send me a message, something, tell me. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on today. We really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us. I'm glad to be here. Time went by so fast. I know it does, doesn't it? Man, oh man, <laughs> I could keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, th thank you so much. We really okay. appreciate you uh, yes, appearing thank on. Yes, okay. Thanks a lot. Well, it's been so much fun talking to Tim Dazarn about his Star Trek roles and his acting career, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, to the journey! I love that Barkley says he's lost himself in Voyager because I have been there, man. Haven't we all, Reg? Haven't we all? It hits a little close to home. It does. I'm a little bit like Barkley in some ways. I, you know, I have just a little bit of paranoia to me. Awkward? No, a little paranoid. No, I don't think I'm awkward. No. Okay, maybe, a, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, you said you're like Barkley. Awkward. Give me a glass of wine and I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Synth the hall. Excuse me. Synth the hall. The six oh two club. Well, and I think that uh, there's even, you know, a a kernel of that conversation uh, reflected in when he is on. Uh, the, the airship with his dad and it's very interesting because Indy gives you know they give the, the two versions of the story where you know you were distant you didn't hang out with me you didn't do these things I didn't have a normal dad like every other kid and then you hear uh, you know Henry Jones Sr. say I never told you to wash behind your ears I never checked up on your homework I gave you all of the freedom and independence that you wanted and if you were to ask any kid, they'd say that's what they wanted. And then you find out, to speak to the point about fact and truth, that that's not necessarily what you want. You want involvement. You want connection. You want to be together. You want to be part of your family unit. And you want it to be cohesive. I mean, you know, at a, at a baseline, that's what everybody wants. Earl Grey. And especially, like, toward the end, when it's like, Jean-Luc, what are you and I doing just like voyaging around the galaxy by ourselves on this ship? <laughs> like it makes perfect sense to you, but it makes no sense to me, yeah. right? Just the two of us like on this giant ship. It's well, like, when wow. it was just a small skeletal crew, you know, and she's still questioning, he's like, why do we have all of these rooms and quarters? And, and then Data just nonchalantly, well, we have 
you know, we need uh, evacuation and we take diplomats around. Yeah. It. And like he's listing it like, well, duh, this is why we have it. And Picard's like, that'll be enough data. Warp five. Well, you remember it was like when it was 42. You weren't very reasonable then, were you? Uh, no, I was not. Exactly. I was absolutely not. I was yelling at a tree in my backyard. It was not a pretty sight. <laughs> all I know is, all I know, Big Men in Heat is not a good idea. Oh, that sounds like a great band. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find our show. If you're not an Apple user, shame on you. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show, just like we did today. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not pretending to be on NYPD Blue? <laughs> nah, not for pretending? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, n- not being afraid of taxi cabs, uh, uh, you guys can actually find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference, and I am occasionally on Twitter. My handle is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not uh, having makeup prosthetics applied so that you can be an alien on a Star Trek episode? Well, one thing I've learned is that I think I should be a Bajoran. It's the easiest. Yeah, right? (laughs) My goodness. Like, you know, four or five hours to be a Kazon, that's not worth it. Isn't it longer for Worf or something like that, the the teeth and all the I think they did it so much over the years that it ended up taking less time. It was like two or three hours. But I think at first it was like a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, I can still dream about that and maybe being on a Star Trek episode someday, maybe. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek, currently tweeting out my season six rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Amy, where can people contact you when you're not trying to avoid having to make small talk with Commander Hutch Hutchinson? who is also in Starship Mine. (laughs) Yes, that was so funny. Um, You can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin, and that's uh, where we discuss Star Trek Discovery. You can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. I am currently in my season four of Deep Space Nine, and you can find me on the Babel Conference. 
Listeners, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Dozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Today is a good day to die! Things are only impossible until they're not. Mm-hmm.